All right. Good morning, everybody. So you go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 5 today. That's where we're going to be. Romans chapter 5. And where we'll begin is verse 5. And like we said earlier today, we're beginning our, our brand new series called Near. And there's a reason for that. I wonder how many of you are getting tired of distance. <laughs> yeah, I think we all are, right? I, I had one Thanksgiving meal that I had to actually wear a mask while we played games and stuff like that. And, you know, so we're tired of social distancing. We're tired of wearing our mask, you know, in church and workplaces and, and, and such. Uh, our kids are in uh, distance learning. A lot of them are. Um, the political season that we just went through and we're still going through has created a lot of distance uh, amongst family and friends. So we thought, hey, this year we're calling the, the Advent message near because we're tired of distance, all right? And what is the Christmas message even about anyway? It's about God drawing near to us through the birth of his son, Jesus Christ. It's about God drawing near. He's Emmanuel, God with us. So what we're going to do over these next four Sundays of Advent is we're going to learn from, we're going to celebrate from the birth of Christ. And every Sunday of Advent has a theme to it. And today's theme is hope, hope. Now, before we get into what hope is, I want us to look at what biblical hope really is. Watch this. This is what the Apostle Paul says in Romans 5, verse 5. Now, hope does not what? Doesn't disappoint. What is hope? Well, hope is confident expectation. That's what it means. Hope is confident expectation. And if I confidently expect something to happen and it doesn't happen, then that happens. Right? Disappointments. There's this thing going on in our house where our kids' bedroom uh, our kids' bedrooms are upstairs, and our master bedroom is downstairs. Well, they leave things downstairs sometimes, right? Like shoes, socks, belts, backpacks, and stuff. And so what do I do? I take their belongings that they leave downstairs, and I put it on the staircase so that when they go up to their room, they see it on the staircase and take it with them. How do you think that's working out for me? Confident expectation is decreasing on that. <laughs> Disappointment's increasing. I'm having a little fun with that. But yeah, disappointments happen when we confidently expect something to happen and it doesn't happen. So maybe you take really good care of yourself. Exercise, eat right, get plenty of rest, things like that. But then you get a bad diagnosis. That's a disappointment, right? Maybe you interview for a job and it goes really well and you think, I'm going to get a second interview. This is a good fit. This should, this should work. I'm expecting a, a job offer, but they don't call you back and someone else gets the job. That's a disappointment. So what we, when we confidently expect something to happen, it doesn't happen. Disappointments. But God is saying, or the Apostle Paul is saying here, hey, there's something out there that won't disappoint you, and that is God. Whatever God says, you can confidently expect to happen. Whatever you said, whatever he has promised, you can expect it to happen. Even when we do experience disappointments in our life, trials, sufferings, disappointments in relationships, health, whatever it may be, you can know with confidence that God is with you because that's what he has said. You can expect that he is working all things out for your good because that is what he has said. You can confidently expect that this life is not all there is because that's what he has said. You can confidently expect that he is coming back again. There will be another advent, and we'll get new bodies, new heaven, new earth, 
And we'll reign with him because that's what he said. Whatever God says happens. Now, I want to pause for a moment and want to think about something. Because when we think about Christian hope, our mind probably immediately goes to, yeah, I'm going to have life in heaven. Jesus is going to come back. New bodies, new heaven, new earth, all that. But to a lot of us, that seems so distant future. Yeah, we, we, our hope is in that, but it seems so distant future. I want you to see why Paul says hope doesn't disappoint. Watch this. The rest of verse 5. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. That's not something future. This does not say, now hope does not disappoint because the love of God will be poured out in our hearts. Like when Christ comes back, new bodies, new heaven, new earth. It doesn't say that, does it? It's also not something distant past. It doesn't say that hope does not disappoint because the love of God was poured out in our hearts when Jesus Christ was born on Christmas Day and he died on the cross. And all. It doesn't say that. And because you've messed up your life, you know, it was poured out, but it's not anymore. It doesn't say that. It's not distant past and it's not distant future. Now I'm about to get in something that I'm very uncomfortable with, and that's grammar. I stink at grammar. I've had people come up to me after ser sermons and go, you know, your grammar was off. And I'm like, you know, in ministry, you have to learn to just smile and nod your head. But in your heart, you're like, get out of my face, you know. But anyway, <laughs> I do not like talking about grammar, but I have to talk about grammar here because it's important. This says, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out. Has been poured out. You know what that's called? Perfect verb tense. It's not future tense. It's not past tense. It's called what's, what's called perfect verb tense. What does that mean? Well, it means complete. It means it's complete. Yet the effects of that completed action go on and on and on. Like the results of it, the impact of it just continue on and on and on. So in terms of our relationship with God, Jesus Christ demonstrated his perfect and complete love with us on the cross, right? That was a completed action. But what he did for us on the cross, the impact of that goes on and on. You feel it today. You feel it tomorrow. You felt it yesterday. It just goes on every day. That means that his love is flowing to you right now as you sit here, as you watch. His love is flowing to you right now. It's going to flow to you again tomorrow. doesn't mean he loves you more tomorrow. He loves you perfectly and completely right now. But his love is flowing to you all the time. And because it's flowing to you all the time, you even got more to experience of his love. I heard a pastor put it like this. He was talking about, have you ever been to one of those fancy parties? It's like at a fancy house, maybe at a clubhouse or something. And, and you walk into that party. And when you walk in, there's this gathering room. And everybody is kind of hobnobbing it and networking and, you know, they're serving you some nice hors d'oeuvres and appetizers, maybe some nice cheeses and fine drinks some fine meats and stuff. Everybody at the party is sitting there in this gathering room, just networking, having a good time. But everybody at the party also knows 
that over there in the distance is this main dining room. The main doors are closed right now, but man, what I'm getting served right now, these hors d'oeuvres are good, but they're going to open up the doors and I'm going to be able to go into the main dining room and have the main feast. You ever been to one of those parties? See what the Apostle Paul is saying. He's saying right now you're getting to serve some hors d'oeuvres in this life. You're getting to serve some appetizers of his nearness. And it's just a foretaste of what is coming. And those hors d'oeuvres were being served right now. We've all felt it. You know, you can be praying and you can just sit. Like God comes in like a knight in shiny armor and he answers that prayer. And you go, yeah, God is near. I feel his love right now. Sometimes you can be reading scripture and the, you're reading scripture and the, the verses jumps off the page and it strengthens you right there in the moment for what you needed. You just thank God you're near, you're here. Thank you, Lord, for that love. Maybe you're going through a real tough time and someone calls you or texts you just at the right moment. And all you can say about that, that was a God thing, right? So many appetizers of his name. Sometimes you've been taking a walk in nature and you can sense him talking to you or sometimes God will speak to you through his dreams and you just, he just reminds you that he is near right now. His love is just flowing to you right now. Maybe someone watching, maybe someone here today is going, wait a minute, I don't feel any of that. God feels so socially distanced from me right now. And if that's you, I get you. I wish these experiences I just talked about happened more often. They don't happen all the time, and I wish they happened more often. But what I can tell you is this. Don't give up on that personal relationship with God because anything else you give your heart to, it will not pour its love out to you every day like he will. And it will disappoint you. He won't. He won't. He will not. And look at this. Because the love of God has been poured out. This, these, these two words, poured out. I love this. You know what that means? That means a flood. It means a torrent. It's a whole lot of love. If I pour out a jug of milk versus just pour into a glass of milk, which one means more? Well, pour out the jug of milk, right, means it's a lot. But my milk uh, illustration really kind of falls on its head because if I pour out a jug of milk, it'll eventually empty. Not God's love. It never empties. Like his tank never gets on half tank or quarter tank for you or three quarters tank. It's always on F. It's a bottomless reservoir. And why would I pour out a jug of milk, by the way? Because it's expired, it's spoiled, right? His love for you will never expire. It will never spoil. He doesn't look at you and go, you know what? You need to get that right by July 2021 or I'm done with you. His love for you will never, ever expire. So beautiful, right? So beautiful. Well, what that's supposed to do to us, that we know that his love is just being poured out to us every day, what that's supposed to do for us right now is give us this poise in our life that no matter what I'm going through, if it's good times, his love is being poured out. If it's bad times, his love is being poured out. Even if I go bad, his love is being poured out. It doesn't matter. His love is always flowing to you. It's supposed to give you a life of stability. No matter what's happening to your life, it can't be because he doesn't love you. No, he loves you. It's being poured out to you right now. Christianity is so different than any other religion. 
any, every other religion would say, well, you know what? You would always feel God's nearness. You would always feel God's love. If you just did the right thing, follow the rules, obey the law, you would always feel his nearness. Christianity is so different from that because it's not based on who you are, what you've done. Christianity is based on who he is and what he has done. And who is he? God is love. What has he done? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So no matter what you're going through, you can rest assured the promise of God, his love is always being poured out to you no matter what. What a fun verse to preach. Golly, it's awesome. Now, what does this have to do with Advent? Everything. Because what is Advent? Advent, first of all, just means arrival of a notable person. And the reason we celebrate Advent is because we're talking about the arrival of the most notable person in history who made a non-disappointing hope possible. If you read Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 21, I'm not going to go through all those verses, but I just want to go over maybe a couple of verses with you. If you read those verses, you would see the Apostle Paul talking about the arrival of the first Adam versus the arrival of the second Adam. The arrival of the first Adam, meaning Adam and Eve, right? The book of Genesis, Adam who we're introduced to in the, the beginning of the Old Testament versus the arrival of the second Adam, Jesus Christ. Sometimes he's referred to as the second Adam. We're introduced to him at the beginning of the New Testament. It's so interesting when you read this Romans chapter 5 Advent chapter because when you compare the first Adam versus the second Adam, it's just fun to even think about. Because the first Adam, if we can think about it, the first Adam, he was actually created. He was not born. There was no woman to birth him. He didn't even have an earthly dad. Yet he had a creator. So he was created. And he was created in the image of God. That's a huge sermon in itself, being created in the image of God. All I want to say about being created in the image of God is that Adam had a will just like his creator had a will. Adam could choose. He could think. He could make decisions. He had views. He had ideas, things like that. He, has a, he had a will just like his creator. He's being created in the image of God. The creator has a will. Now, I bring that part of the image of God up because in Adam having a will, what did he choose to do? He chose to disobey God. He he uh, was tempted by Satan. Him and Eve, they were tempted by Satan. They chose to disobey. They doubted God's goodness. They took of the fruit, the, the forbidden fruit, all of that. And guess what that did? Distance. It brought distance in their relationship. And we know that because God came looking for them in the Garden of Eden. What did Adam and Eve do? They hid. They ran. There was no more nearness. Because there was sin had interrupted, right? They were hiding in shame. And we've all done that. We've all disobeyed God. And the wages of sin is death. Death is, is the consequence. And so this is what the Apostle Paul says in Romans 5, verse 12. He says, therefore... Just as sin came into the world through one man, that's talking about Adam in the book of Genesis, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all have sinned. Now, we all have something in common, whether you're a Christian or not, and that's this, we've all sinned. 
and we're all going to die. Merry Christmas. That's what we all have in common. We've all sinned and we're all going to die. But guess what else? (laughs) Sin and death do not have the last word. Because there was a second Adam. And the second Adam, oh, this is fun to even talk about. The second Adam was not created. Remember, the first Adam was created. The second Adam was not created. He existed from the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He's existed from all eternity. But the second Adam was born. The first Adam wasn't. The second Adam was born. And the second Adam grew up just like we all do. We're born and we grow up. Jesus grew up. Jesus grew up in wisdom and stature. And just like the first Adam, the second Adam was tempted by Satan. But unlike the first Adam, the second Adam, Jesus Christ, did not doubt the word of God. Did not doubt God's goodness. He said, thy will be done. Not my will, but your will, O Father, be done. In other words, he was perfectly obedient. And so the Apostle Paul says this in Romans 5, 19. He says this, For as by the one man's disobedience, Adam, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, Jesus Christ, the second Adam, the many will be made righteous. So Adam, the many were made sinners. Christ, the many will be made righteous. What this is saying is that you and I are connected to both Adam and Christ. They did something that affected us all. Adam, sin, we've all sinned. But someone greater came who were even more connected to than Adam. And you might go, how are we more connected to Christ than we are to Adam? I feel, more, I feel like I relate more to Adam than Christ because Jesus Christ was born. How many of you were born? <laughs> it's a dumb question, isn't it? Don't raise your hand if you weren't born. We had to call government agency or something. I don't know. Jesus Christ was born. He took on flesh and he dwelt among us. And he perfectly obeyed. He was without blemish. Remember, to make an atoning sacrifice for our sins, it had to be a lamb without blemish. Jesus Christ perfectly obeyed. He died on the cross. He took our disobedience on the cross. He died on the cross. He was buried in the tomb and he overcame death. He overcame sin and death. And it's through him we overcome sin and death. But don't miss this. By the one man's obedience, we're made righteous. Do you know what that means? That means we are made right with God. That means there's no more distance in the relationships, in the relationship with God. We have been brought near. No more running. No more hiding. No more guilt. No more shame, right? We have been brought near. What Jesus Christ did, his birth and his death, what it did is it brought us near to the Father, reconciled us to God. And so the Apostle Paul would say this in another letter. This is from 1 Corinthians 15, 45. The Apostle Paul says, the first man, Adam, well, he became a living being. That makes sense. He was created. He became a living being. The last Adam, Jesus Christ, 
He became a life-giving spirit, which means he became a life-giving spirit to you. You were dead in your sins. But he has made us alive in Jesus Christ. You were dead. I was dead. But he has made us alive. He has birthed new spiritual life in us. And that new spiritual life is a life of hope where you know that you know that you know his love is flowing to you right now and it will continue on and on. And it's a life of purpose. Not not only a life of poise, but a life of purpose because his love is flowing through you so it can flow out of you so that you can be salt and light to this world. A life of poise and purpose. So here's the application point. If the Advent message The Christmas message is that God turned towards us and drew near to us. Then the application is real simple. We got to turn towards God. We got to draw near to him. Do we have a slide on that one? Turn towards God and draw near to him. Well, that's the application point. We turn towards God and we draw near to him. You might, well, that's oversimplifying. That's oversimplifying this whole thing. Turn towards God and draw near to him. I I want us to think about what I'm saying. If you're taking notes, just write it down. Turn toward God, draw near to him. We know how to do that. Prayer, praise, uh, going to church, you know, uh, reading the scripture, all that. But I want you to think about this point. Turn toward God and draw near to him. I don't know about you, but when I have needs, I turn towards it and I draw near to it. So if I'm hungry, what do I do? My thoughts turn towards food and I draw near a kitchen, right? Or if I'm tired, what do I do? I, my thoughts turn toward getting some sleep and I draw near to it. Let me tell you something. We are all needy people. I know that, that sounds weak, but it's one of the strongest statements you've ever said about yourself, about yourself. I am a needy person. We all have needs. We have needs not to be lonely. We have needs to be encouraged, needs to be loved, needs to be forgiven, you know, needs to be accepted, approved. I mean, we have all kinds of needs. And what I don't want to do in this life is say, well, I'm going to turn towards something else and draw near to it because it will disappoint you and it will never love you like he does, right? You got to turn towards God and draw near to him. And as you do, you know what happens in your life when you turn towards him and draw near to him through all those things we know how to do that through? You start, you start to be renewed in his image, Start to be, start to look more like him in your heart, displaying the fruit of the Spirit, becoming more forgiving, more generous. You start to look like more, more and more in your inner person like him. You remember the first Adam? He was, he was made in the image of God, but that was tainted by sin. The new Adam or the second Adam, what did he do? Well, he was born with the image of God intact, and he came to renew that image in you. Think about it like this. I heard another pastor say it like this. Think about holding a handheld mirror and you turn it towards you and you draw it near to your face. What does the mirror now, what's the image of the mirror filled with? My face, right? Did you know you and I have that same quality about us? When we turn towards something and we draw near to it, we start to feel with that image. We start to look like it. Like if I turn towards anger and rage all the time and my thoughts are constantly about getting even with someone, what do I look like? Well, I look like anger and rage. 
or if I turn towards something like my career and I just constantly think about it and, and, and you know, draw my thoughts all towards that and live for that. What am I going to look like? I'm going to look like a byproduct of my career or something like that. You know, whatever you turn towards and you draw near, that's what you look like. The Christmas message, the Advent message is turn towards him, draw near to him, and you'll be renewed in his image. You can confidently expect that to happen. Well, that's all I got for this Advent message. I'm going to go ahead and and close this in in an invitation. But if you're here today and you're ready to say, you know what, I want to give my life to the one who loves me. The one who, no matter what I'm going through, his love is being poured out to me. I want to live for the, the second Adam. The one who died for me. The one who lived for me and the one who died for me. They ask him to be the Lord and Savior of your heart. If you want to talk more about Jesus, or if you want, you know, made the decision to turn your life to Christ, there's a simple way to connect with us there as well. You can text to that number 97,000. You can just type in SHBC next. You can just text SHBC next to that number 97,000. Or if you want to join our church, you want to just continue to learn more about him together, you can also text that number and put that SHBC next to the number 97,000. Well, thank you guys for joining us today. Let me pray for us, and then we'll close with a song of worship. Father, thank you for bringing us here today. Thank you, Lord, for this Advent message in Romans chapter 5, Lord, that your love is being poured out to us. Even as we're here right now, you are near, and your love is flowing to us by the Holy Spirit given to us. Thank you so much, Lord, for that. Father, we thank you for what we read about the second Adam, Jesus Christ, whom we are more connected to because he was born unlike the first Adam. And Jesus Christ lived in that flesh, perfectly obedient to you, taking our disobedience on the cross so that we might have life, so that we might be reconciled to you. Thank you for that. And so, Lord, as we go through the holiday season, as we go through this season of Advent, help us to remember that message is you turned towards us, you drew near to us. Now, Lord, help us do the same. Help us to turn towards you and draw near to you with those heartfelt needs so that we might become more and more like you. Lord, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.